Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the Dirt Mike Kid. And I am El Puerto Reseño. Welcome to episode 190, Cyber Slam 1996. We're in the cyber age, y'all. I know, I wish I could make the internet, internet sounds. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, we all do. We remember it so fondly. Yep. It's very... Uh, you I miss know, it. Pleasing. I miss kind of that and, you know, getting those random phone calls from fax machines. AOL trial discs. <laughs> you still don't get random messages from fax machines? Uh-uh. I haven't in a long, long, long time. Uh, we still do at work. Really? Yeah. Uh, Occasionally. <laughs> Who the hell still faxes? I don't know. But, like, our <laughs> printer will start doing the fax machine noise and I'm just like, oh, well, okay, cool. No, I meant just, like, actually on my phone. Occasionally I get yeah. them back in the day. But I mean, I still get it. Just I mean, maybe not on my phone. But. Yeah. So this was the first annual CyberSlam produced by ECW. It would take place on February seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of thirteen hundred people. Ooh. They were hanging from the rafters. How'd they get them some all more in there? Chairs. More chairs, I guess. I, don't... I mean, watching this show, there's at one point where, yeah, it's like the the railing has a whole lot more people behind it than it normally does. They packed them in. They needed that extra money. Uh, Fifty people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like maybe it's, it's, it's oversold out. The fire marshal wouldn't be too happy. Yeah. Fuck your fire marshals! Damn it, ZCW. But because we're at the ECW Arena, that means we are back in Philly. We are. What's that song? Motown Philly. Mm. Back again. We we no, we no, retired the bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been long enough. We might as well. This is wrestling. Back. Nothing's permanently retired. <sighs> no shit. Can always come back for one more. No shit. <laughs> but yes, we you are. Still got it. Back <laughs> in Philly. It's been a little bit. Got a, a little break from, from the Philly, and here we are again. So, I did what I normally do, and searched through the interwebs, and in honor of CyberSlam taking place in Philadelphia, I found out that the official cookie of Pennsylvania is the chocolate chip cookie. Not the official cookie of cookies? Mike, I wonder if this official cookie. Uh, is the chocolate chip some cookie. states have the drinks of you know the official state drink is milk and there's like that's true 17 states that have it. yeah i just find it funny yeah yeah it's very funny yeah the official cookie of pennsylvania is chocolate chip and i looked up what is the best chocolate chip cookie in pennsylvania and insomnia cookies popped up and coincidentally we have insomnia hey, cookies here. here and to celebrate the cyberness of cyber slam I ordered online. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but not through dial-up. No, not through dial-up. You know, I, I, we, we've talked about the movie The Net in the past, and because of the movie The Net, 
we now have online ordering available because she was able to order a pizza on her computer and it inspired all of these other businesses to take advantage of that. Some of them, you know, soon after 1995, some of them not until 2020 when the pandemic hit and everybody had to close their dining rooms. But yes, I ordered cookies from Insomnia Cookies. I've never been to Insomnia. I've heard about them often, and they're open until like 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. So they really are for Insomniacs. Feels um, it's like I feel obviously it's a chain, but it's like how do you make any money selling cookies till midnight? They till make what? them by selling their cookies for two dollars and ninety five cents a piece. Oh my god! But you know, a guy that pays six dollars for a cup of coffee and oftentimes buys two of them at a time just doesn't even bat an eye at a two ninety five <laughs> cookie. So you're not you're not gonna eat the cookies every day. <laughs> but you can get uh, the little. Six packs for $11. They've got brownies available as well. They've got cookie sandwiches that are like ice cream filled. You can get variety packs that have cookies and and brownies. And they have their classic cookies. They also have their deluxe ones that are a little bit more fancy with, you know, peanut butter cups and whatnot. But I went for the official state cookie, the chocolate chip, or in this case, the chocolate chunk. And then I also got some sugar cookies because those are kind of my favorite you know i'm i'm the this foodie that likes all this fancy stuff but when it comes down to it i just like a simple sugar cookie a good sugar cookie is hard to beat yeah. a bad sugar cookie is not even worth it no oh i'm gonna have to go chocolate chip which i think is I mean, the perfect cookie. start i'll start here. yeah we'll start with the chocolate just because it's ecw it's philly it's pennsylvania let's see if it is the best chocolate chip for you yeah, I know. Let's see here. There's probably people that have started listening to the show before, and we're like, they eat on we're mic every episode. We're never doing this. I'm never listening to this ever. But hey. They're good. We're here for the love of the game. They've got a good chocolateiness to them. They're soft. They taste like they're homemade. I'd eat another one. I definitely will, too. Wash it down with my coffee here. I could use possibly the state drink of milk right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very good, but I don't know that I've had a bad chocolate chip cookie. I'll even f- fuck up a Chips Ahoy. It's like a chocolate chip cookie. As long as it's not burnt, we're good to go. So Chips Ahoy, are you more of the original Chips Ahoy? Do you like the super chunk or whatever they're soft called? Or chewy. do you like the soft and chewy? Probably the OG ones. Just the regular ones. They make thin ones that are pretty hard. I never buy them. Maybe like once a year. Be like, you know what? I need some crappy cookies. It's typically, if I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to watch a live wrestling pay-per-view. And that's when you get the junk food. Well, at least one that I'm excited for. Um, I actually just buy the Walmart brand chocolate chunk cookies. Oh, nice. Which are very similar. Yeah. Yep. Not quite as good as these no no this is definitely beats uh, any of the prepackaged uh stuff from your typical grocery store but i've I've gone to these high-end donut places before but i've never gone to one of these cookie shops and i'm happy about it makes me wonder if i'd like what's the other one crumble i like these better than crumble i've had crumble okay because crumble basically is like a most of their cookies are just shortbread cookies and all the flavoring comes from the topping um, which is like a, 
Frosting? Yeah, yeah frosting. That's what it is. It was kind of like the Eileen's cookies, which I don't think they have a great chocolate chip cookie, but they have a lemon cookie that kicks mad ass. Hmm. That's like another, I think it's a chain. I know is there's it a like couple in here. lemon cookie or lemon square or? It's a cookie. Okay. They also have like a frosted ones. It's just so another, like those. The other, one of the only cookie places I can think I'm of. I'm also a big fan of Brookies. Oh yes. I do like Brookies. I like them. I hate that. I hate the name of them. <laughs> I'm even one who. Would you rather them be called Crownies? <laughs> I guess I not. Actually, I like... you know what? I'm with you. I like crownies. <laughs> At least sounds regal. There you go. Well, the movie that would hit the theaters the day before would be Happy Gilmore. <laughs> mm-hmm. cue, cue the Skinnerd. Price is wrong, bitch. Yep. Don't you want to go to your home? Go to your home. <clears throat> Are you a, a Gilmore or a Madison? I'm a Gilmore. I am too, even though I understand, I think maybe I just watched this one more as a kid, so it just is in my, you know, is, is my, that's why, because they're both, like, the two best, like, Adam Sandler, like, go, like wacky comedies. Yeah. No, I, I With this a, was the first one that I saw in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, Billy Madison, I saw it on video, you know, that was the first one, obviously, that I saw, but this was the first Adam Sandler that I got to experience in the theaters and there was a shit ton of hype behind it because of how popular Billy Madison was and you know you had Tommy Boy that came out just before then you also had Black Sheep that was coming around around the same time and yeah Happy Happy Madison it it inspired Happy Madison yeah yeah Happy Gilmore it's it's a classic it's it's one of the two golf movies that I'll, I'll watch pretty much all the time Tin Cup? I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, really? I was going to say Caddyshack in this. I, mean, I, I was thinking, I, I, I've never seen Tin Cup. I mean, I love Caddyshack as well. Bagger Banks. Like, usually if, I, if I'm going to watch a golf movie, it's usually Tin Cup. Or Is Tin Cup Costner? Yeah. yeah. And that's why I've he's still a, never watched that one. I mean, he's graded in, as, a, as a baseball man, but he could probably be good as a golfman too. Yeah, he could do the golf thing. No, yeah, why not? So yeah, Tin Cup was him and... Don Johnson? Mm-hmm. That was in that one? Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Yep. I mean, honestly, the first three, like, st- like starring roles, he kind of nailed with Abby Gilmore being, like, the more family-friendly over... It's less, like, crude than Billy Madison. Uh, and then I think that uh, The Wedding Singer is fucking great. Yes. <laughs> I think that uh, it's... I yeah I love that fucking movie. Yeah, I know it's not as like wacky or goofy, but I think that it's just a really I mean, it's solid not full Sandler. It's it's eighties, no. so it's just the right amount of wacky, yeah. goofy eighties nostalgia. When he tells her to take off the Van Halen shirt before they break up, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I love that one too. There's you know after that there's a like you know some ups and downs for sure, but you can't go wrong with the first three if you're just. Looking to have, uh, you know, 90 minutes of uh, a few giggles. I'm even a huge fan of Little Nicky. I don't care for Little uh, Nicky. I love Little Nicky, too. I didn't... What's crazy is I, I think I'd appreciate it more boy. now I than I... water boy in one of my reports today. Really? <laughs> like, I feel like I'd appreciate them more now than when they came out. Because I saw Waterboy in the theater and didn't even really like it. But I bet I would appreciate it much more as an adult than, like, just a kid that probably didn't like anything. 
trying to think of like which Adam Sandler movie it was that made me not really care for Adam Sandler movies for a while. I'm trying to think of which one was the. They were all decent, really, until. Was Jack it Mr. And Deeds? Jack and Jill. Okay. I never saw Mr. Deeds. So yeah, Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds wasn't bad. No. Big Daddy's pretty it was, charming. That one you could feel the the shift happening in it. Was gro- was Grown Ups before? No, Grown Ups was after Jack and Jill. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of like an ensemble thing. I think you had. I mean, you had to do something like that. Because... Click, and then. See, I liked Click. Yeah, that's why I'm saying Click, and then I think it was Jack and Jill that came after yeah, that. Jack and Jill was just yeah you, you straight trash. You can't pay me to watch that one. No. I mean, I watched it just because I wanted to see what the so, hell it was. Like literally, I used because I'm a collector of DVDs and stuff like that. So, like, I literally have every Adam Sandler movie until Jack and Jill, and then I was just like, "This is so bad that I'm like, I have to stop my collection because I can't have this hole in my collection." <laughs> is that the one with the Dunkachino? I. Don't know. I'm trying to remember because I've only ever watched Jack and Jill once, so I don't remember a whole lot about it. It was so bad that I just like try and block it out of my memory. But, like Spanglish, I really loved. Yeah, but that's like still not just Punch like, Drunk Love. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Punch yeah. Drunk Love was that great. One was yeah. great. But I mean, those when I say Adam Sandler movie, I don't think of those movies because Spanglish is like an Albert Brooks movie and. Punch Drunk Love is a PTA movie, but like but I'm talking Adam like Sandler. when I say Adam Sandler, I mean like Happy Madison movies, Eight Crazy Nights, mm-hmm. Anger Management, but Fifty First Dates, Spanglish, Longest Yard, Click. I forgot about Longest Yard. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You don't mess <clears throat> with the Zohan. Yeah, that's where they started going down. Bedtime Stories, which Bedtime Stories is actually better than it ever deserves to be. And you don't mess with Zohan has the most beautiful woman in the entire world. And it has Busy Bubbly. Wow, that's the one where he cuts hair, right? Mm-hmm. Grown Ups was actually before Jack and Jill. Was it? Yeah. Okay. And then he re uh, did just go with it with Aniston. And then did Jack and Jill. And then made just a bunch of shitty movies for Netflix. And then he had his Uncut Gems. Yeah, Uncut I love, I love that one. Um, he did that that uh, that comedy special concert thing that was actually really good. I don't know People if I ever like, watched that one. You should watch it. It's really good. And of course, there's like a really sad part where he sings a song about Chris Farley. I've heard and his new one called Hustle is pretty good. Yeah, I've heard good things about that one. But enough about Adam Sandler, guys. Yeah, we've done enough. Hey, you will not make this putt, you jackass. You could argue that he's done enough as well. One more thing before we get to the wrestling, though. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Ah. Do we play the Thanksgiving song now? Another Adam Sandler oh, tradition? What's the... I know the lunch lady song. What's the Thanksgiving song? Love to eat turkey. <laughs> Love to I, I, I eat turkey. Is that one of, off one of the CDs? Or no, it's on... Oh, I mean, it's on... It was Saturday Night Live, but then he ended up putting it on a CD, too. I don't remember that one. More of an Adam medium pace guy. <laughs> Turkey with gravy and cranberries. <laughs> I can't believe the Mets traded Daryl Strawberry or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that probably rhymes better than Lenny Dykstra. He played for the Mets, right? Something mm-hmm. in aluminum foil. My brother likes to masturbate with baby oil. Yeah. 
It's a great song. <laughs> Family classic. Uh-huh. Sounds, sounds like a winner. Uh-huh. If you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, you know you know what to do as soon as this is over. Find the Adam Taylor Thanksgiving song. If you're not yeah. already listening to it. So enjoy that time with your family. <laughs> Give thanks. That's right. Send me some pictures yeah. of dinner. Eat too much, go to sleep early. Especially if you're in Philly. Exactly. Tell us what you're eating on Thanksgiving. Yeah, what the fuck do Philly, Philly people eat on Thanksgiving? Is, is it a cheesesteak shaped like a turkey? Is it turkey cheesesteaks? Tofurkey cheesesteaks? It's probably just turkey. I think, you know, outside of the ECW people, they're probably mostly normal. Mm. Okay, we'll get to the wrestling now. So we get date and location of the show before a title card. And we go straight to our first match. The bad crew of Dog and Rose and Judge Dredd versus Dino Sandoff, Don E. Allen, and the Dirt Bike Kid. So we haven't seen the bad crew since December to Dismember, episode 174. Sandoff since Hardcore Heaven 95, episode 156. And Allen since November to Remember 95, episode 171. You can't shake Don E. And this is our first dread? It's our first dread. Cat. But it's not our first dirt bike kid. No. Because he was the shark attack kid. He's like, well, I'll try a new gimmick since you just totally jobbed me out. Well, he's going that before one, two, three route where he was like the lightning kid and the something kid and then the this kid. And uh, come on, kid. So everybody brawls as soon as they are in the ring. With the crowd letting them all know that they suck. I mean it. Dog hits a belly-to-belly on Allen. Dread with a spinning heel kick and a press gut buster on Dirt Bike Kid. Followed by Dog hitting a tiger driver on Donnie. Dread with a rubber band slam of the kid. Bag Crew with a top rope heart attack on Allen for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. Post-match, Sandman enters the ring and just starts caning everybody. Oh, that's why this match happened. Which the crowd loves, before grabbing a mic and yelling, Yo! Each time he canes someone, before yelling out, Now let's get extreme! Yeah, that's why this match happened. 911's not here anymore, we have to do something. Well, yeah, when uh, the match first started, that's what I was thinking when I saw, I'm assuming that's Judge Dredd that looked like the bloated 911 yeah. yeah, the big boy was Judge Stratt. Yeah. I kept looking at him at first going, is that 911? Because I thought we weren't seeing him anymore. But he looked a little different. He just had the same curly brown hair, beardy. Sal Boamo in a new gimmick. There you go. It's, it's old Loch Ness, little brother. <laughs> Luke Ness or something. Little Nessie. <laughs> so we go to our second match. El Puerto Riquano versus Spiros Greco. And the two men trade holds and reversals until Greco misses a knee lift that Riquano sells anyways, which gives the fans a reason to, to heckle. You fucked up. Spiros with a back elbow stomps and a jumping clothesline for a two count, followed by a weak double chop. Weak. Greco with multiple double throat thrusts before tossing him out to the floor, following out to send El Puerto Riquano into the ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Spiros continues the attack with a catapult into the bottom rope and chokes across the top rope. 
Greco then delivers a leaping shoulder tackle and a pump handle side slam for the pin and the win. It happened. Sure did. Uh, it wasn't good, but at least it was quick. Yeah, Greco <laughs> has a decent look. Yeah, when he walked maybe down, not, maybe he, not the tightest of work between the two men. When he walked down the ring, he reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't figure out who. He I think a, I thought he was a full-blooded jobber Italian. in WWF. Okay. Uh-huh. And then there was this match. Okay. So I thought he's made he eighty dollars like in wrestling the to this day. First spotting of a, a what the hell were they called? Full-blooded Italians, but then it was like no, because he's Greek. He can be whatever he wants. Yeah. It's wrestling. Could be True. a Paisal if he wants Mania, to. I guess. Roddy Piper was half black once. That's right. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Let's go to our third match. Joel Hartgood versus Taz with Bill Alfonso. And I know you guys care because we haven't seen Hartgood since Return of the Funker, Said. episode 145. I thought he looked a little familiar. I just think it's funny that he... It doesn't go by Goodheart because Heartgood sounds wrong. Well, it's making it's making fun of Goodheart. There's a guy named Joel Goodheart who was the booker of a different promotion, and they're making fun of him by using this thing. That's why it feels um, wrong and bad. So Fonzie Fonzie takes the mic and asks if the fans remember him. With Styles responding, they're trying to forget. The human suplex machine then takes Joel to the mat before hitting him with a vicious clothesline. A little bit. Taz then fakes out Hartgood on a whip and delivers a T-bone suplex, but then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Joel to hit a sunset flip for a two count. Hey, Taz, let him do something. The human suplex machine responds with a Tazplex before locking in the Taz mission for the submission and, and the, the win. win. Taz actually let go before Bill Alfonso's whistle this time. Hmm. Post-match, the human suplex machine takes the mic, calling Hartgood another victim. Just another victim. And damage control comes out to help Joel out of the ring on a stretcher. But Taz just dumps him back down to the mat. So then wrestlers start running out from the back to help Hartgood. Only for the human suplex machine to suplex all of them. And they're the ones that also just got caned. Yeah. It's uh, Dirt Bike and Donnie and somebody else. And he dumps them all on their heads. On their fucking heads. That, yeah. That's, it's I kept crazy. watching each one going, oh, ooh, ow. It's crazy they got all of them on their heads. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. Mm. Mikey Whiprock then comes out, sliding under Taz to punch Alfonso before hitting a drop kick and a Franken Mikey on the human suplex machine. Whiprock then goes to the top, coming off, only to be caught and dropped with a Tazplex. Before applying the Taz mission. And the ref's trying to get Bill Alfonso to call Taz off, but Bill's not going to do it because Mikey just hit him. Give me your whistle. So the crowd starts to chant for Sabu, as they always do to antagonize. Where's uh, that flare ref at from last week? <laughs> have him come down and yeah. slap Alfonso around, take that whistle. I love that Joey calls him, uh, calls Taz the uh, a one-man crime spree. I'm like, what a nice, that's good, that's good shit. We then go to Joey Styles in the ring, and he welcomes everyone to ECW's Internet Convention, which makes me go, oh, that's why it was called Cyberstorm. Because it wasn't. There's no way it was streaming. No. And so, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is like people that were on like forums or whatever. 
They're probably trading tapes during the day. That's why they've got 1,300 this time. All of a sudden, <laughs> the arena goes dark. When the, the lights come back on, Brian Pillman's in the ring. Oh, the loose cannon has found his way to Philly. I know. He's got the jacket and everything. He looks uh, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's put together. Got cane and all. I mean, he's an ECW, so you got to bring a cane. <laughs> this is literally six days after the incident. Super Brawl 6. Brian claims that Eric Bischoff took away his constitutional rights and fired him, calling him a coffee gopher and a whiz kid, before also calling him a piece of fucking shit. Constitutional rights. Ugh. <laughs> Pillman continues by comparing Bischoff to the smart marks in the crowd before explaining the term as people who spend their last $20 on crack. <laughs> or people who believe that OJ didn't do it. <laughs> or most importantly, they are the sons of bitches in the crowd. Brian calls the ECW arena a hellhole and threatens to whip out his Johnson and Jesus. piss in the ring. <laughs> when Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon arrive to stop him, Bro, bro, bro. Paul's like, that's not part of the deal. <laughs> and like, uh, like, I mean, yeah, it's probably not. You don't want an indecent exposure, uh, you know, happening in, on your taped wrestling show. Security escorts Pillman away from the ring while Paul and Shane Douglas yell at him when one fan tries swinging at him. So Brian just pulls the fan over the rail and attacks him with a fork. <sighs> They get the redhead with the mullet. Yeah. You think he was a plan? Absolutely. I, I hope was. so. Yeah. <laughs> the franchise makes the save by chasing Pillman away before taking the mic to tell security to throw Brian out of the arena or Shane would kick his ass. I love the let him piss chant. <laughs> Douglas would then take a seat in the ring waiting for security to take Brian out the front door. There's also, uh, of course, you know, got our our signed guy all the time, every show. But he has one that says, don't uh, don't work me, Pillman. <laughs> Pretty fun. How'd you know he was going to be there, signed guy? Mm, I mean, I think he probably gets half off of his ticket. It's only, it's only, uh, it's only $7. <laughs> we go to our fourth match. The Roughneck, Mr. Hughes versus Buh, Buh. Ray Dudley, with Sign Guy Dudley, Chubby Dudley, Dances with Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley. And Bubba does some dancing, but all of a sudden, the Roughneck attacks Sign Guy to stop the fun, before attacking Bubba Ray, which brings Big Dick into the ring to confront Hughes. Now Big Dick is pushed away, allowing the Roughneck to turn his attention back towards Bubba only for Big Dick to break his crutch over Hughes' back. Bubba Ray then capitalizes with a top rope splash for the pin and, and the, the win. win. <laughs> Big Dick and the Roughneck. I think I've seen that movie before. <laughs> <laughs> Mustafa Saeed then makes his way down to the ring. So Joey is saying the gangsters were booked, but New Jack is in jail. He's uh, in the slammer. Mustafa takes the mic and does some creepy laughing before saying he will take care of things himself. 
Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria make their way to the ring, where they mock New Jack for his trouble and offer Saeed a job shining his shoes. Oof. But Mustafa just responds that he does need a job. A hand job. <laughs> oh, snap. How clever. Kane then mocks the gangsta some more, so Saeed attacks, where they brawl out to the floor until the headhunters arrive to stop it, giving Mustafa a double-team shoulder tackle, a superplex, and a flying splash to send Saeed packing. Damien takes the mic saying there isn't a team in ECW that faces headhunters. But music hits, so we got our fifth match. The Bruise Brothers of Don and Ron Bruise versus the Headhunters of Mo Fat and Mahim with Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria. And we haven't seen the Bruise Brothers since SummerSlam 95, hmm. episode 163, when they were the Blue Brothers. Old Jacob and Eli, back in EC Dub. So all four men start brawling in and around the ring using guardrails, trash can lids, and chairs. The fight ends up spilling into the crowd, so we can't see any of the action as the cameras lose sight of everybody. <laughs> and Joey compares this to a double mint commercial gone hardcore. You know what? As I was watching this, that never even popped in my head until he said that, that we've got twins fighting twins. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it didn't register, and then it was like, once he said double mint, it was just like... Glass breaking. Holy shit, yeah. You know why I didn't register? Because you didn't care. That too. <laughs> Everyone finally makes it back to the ring where Mahim body slams Don before hitting a moonsault. But Ron at the same time hits a big boot on Mofat with everybody making covers at the same time. But the ref only counts the Bruce Brothers pin for the win. And yes, I am completely guessing on who did what because there's four fucking twins in this match. Mo Fat. That's funny. just a horrible name for a big dude. It's funny. I mean, it's a perfect name, but it's just a horrible name. <laughs> yeah. Mo Fat. It should be Fat and Mo Fat, the Hunters. <laughs> it's like Pete and Repeat, Fat and Mo Fat. I like that. Joey Styles then welcomes Tommy Dreamer and Beulah to the ring. Oh. Woo! The show started. And Tommy says he injured his shoulder at Blizzard Blast. Uh oh. Apologizing to the crowd that he is out. Only for Raven, Stevie, Meanie, and Kimona to interrupt him. And Raven says that injuring Dreamer wasn't the payback before talking about how they deal with crimes in other countries by cutting appendages off. Mm hmm. You knocked up my girlfriend. Shane Douglas and the Bruise Brothers then arrive to back up Tommy, with Dreamer telling Beulah to go with the franchise for her safety. And Tommy says he's ready to fight. Raven just tells him to get ready to die. <laughs> Dreamer, prepare to die. And then doesn't attack, only for the Bruise Brothers to do so instead, kicking him and running him balls first into the ring post. Posted. Several times. A bunch of times. They're just like, we're going to run it back. Fresh <laughs> all of his hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he already impregnated his, uh, as far as he knows. His girlfriend. 
There might be a change at some point. This is, this is the Springer era. Who knows? <laughs> we then go to our sixth match. JT Smith versus Axel Rotten. Excuse me. The Italian Stallion. JT Smith. We get Eyes a, on. We get a recap of JT attacking Rotten with the microphone from Big Apple Blizzard Blast. Before seeing Smith be handed a pizza from a fan. Only for him to just fling it back into the crowd. It wouldn't be so much better if he just, like, you know, took a bite and then dumped the rest on the floor. But there was probably nothing in it. JT then also places a small Italian flag in the breast pocket of the ring announcer's jacket before jumping Axel as he talks to fans. Smith uses the timekeeper's hammer, but Rotten retaliates by whipping JT into the guardrail before using weapons that the fans hand him such as a chair, bottles, and some rope. They continue to brawl on the floor when Smith would hit a DDT onto the concrete before they head into the ring. And we, we see Leon Spinks is in the crowd, guys. <laughs> As Axel nails a back body drop and a corner splash, Rotten then goes for another, only for JT to avoid. Smith heads up top to hit a diving splash for a two count before hitting a body slam and grabbing a chair, where he would head up top again to try for a moonsault, only to fall backwards while yelling, Whoops! (laughs) (laughs) Axel looks on in confusion, but it was all a ruse, as JT gets to his feet to clock Rotten with the chair for the pin and and the win. win. That's one way to make sure everybody knows... It's a work. Yo, whoops. Yep. Well, that was his gimmick. That I know. Messing up. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. We lo- I'm, we're, we're JT fans. I mean, to an extent. Post-match, Smith spits on Axel before hitting the chair-assisted moonsault. JT then grabs a mic when Hack Myers would hit the range. <laughs> so Smith asks if he wants to dance, but instead nails Hack with the mic. We didn't get shit and Shaw chance as the two men brawl their way to the back. When are we going to get the shit and Shaw connection? <laughs> Do we really want it? <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> not right. The Shaw shit redemption. Yeah, at least, at least one of them's over and the other one can potentially do stuff in the ring. I like that, though. The Shaw shit redemption. <laughs> there you go. Make it happen. Right that 27 years ago. <laughs> Or however long ago it was. Yeah, Shawshank is... 26. We're at 26 right now, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Is Shawshank even out yet? Yeah. Yeah, it came out in 94. 94, okay. We then go to our seventh match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus and Stevie Richards versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two and Francine in a dog collar match. Perry sporting that uh, new hairdo. Yep, all all cleaned up. Uh, probably just couldn't pass off balding any longer. Or maybe had a drug test or something and had to. <laughs> no, it was the first. Get rid of the evidence. <laughs> what Michael said. <laughs> okay. They shaved his head because he was yeah. losing his hair. Uh, but uh, you know, this is the Perry Saturn we know, the bald one. Uh, triple dog collar match. Francine has a really cool Pitbulls T-shirt on. It's got she her a shirt on. I was. 
for now focusing on her ass a little too much probably yeah but there was a, she's gets a her with the uh, the shirt is of her holding the pit bulls on chains like they are dogs it's very maybe the shirt was just made for this match so once they chain everyone together francine shoves richards only for him to respond with a stevie kick and remove the dog collar as the pit bulls go after him but the eliminators attack the pit bulls Perry clotheslines number two multiple times, taking him out to the floor, while Cronus and Stevie work over number one inside the ring. Now on the floor, John sends number one into a guardrail. Saturn's chain on his dog collar, I guess he removed it, because he's allowing Richards to hang number two over the ropes. Like, they don't, they don't stay, cha- like, Perry and John just, like, keep unhooking themselves from it's the... It's like, it's, what's oh, yeah. the point? Yeah, I was like, why are we having the dog collar match if we're just going to unhook each other? But Yeah, I mean, like, Stevie kicked Francine, and then all of a sudden his chain was off of him, and he was outside the ring while she was laying on the ground inside the ring. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that at least has a little, makes a little bit of sense, because he... Like, where's Tommy? Just come person? down here and join this match. Pick up one of the chains. Yeah. Win the belts. The Eliminators both return to the ring, where they hit a superplex flying splash combo on number one before Perry nails number two with a clothesline before hooking his chain back in. The Eliminators are choking the pit bulls with the chains before Saturn hits a backbreaker on number two for a two count. The Eliminators then team up for a double Russian leg sweep on number one while Stevie continues to choke number two. Number one starts fighting back versus Cronus, but Richards delivers a Stevie kick to the back of his head to slow the momentum while Perry is then back body dropped over to the floor by number two. So Richards hits a Stevie kick to him as well. Number one then back body drops John over the ropes to the floor. So again Richards with a Stevie kick to the back of the pit bull's head. You get a Stevie kick. You get a Stevie kick. Now while all this has happened, Francine has literally been laying in the corner this entire time. So anyone could have just walked over and covered her for the pin. Yeah. This is about an hour into the show, and I'm spent. I mean, <laughs> seven matches in an hour will do that to you. <laughs> Especially when there's these seven matches. Mm-hmm. Number two and Saturn begin to brawl around ringside with Perry being sent into multiple chairs held by fans, while number one does the same to Cronus. The fans are then handing all kinds of random plunder to be used as they fight their way to the eagle's nest where more chairs are used. Perry then unhooks his chain to head up to the balcony where John gives him a boost for a moonsault down onto number two. I mean, that was pretty wild. Number one then suplexes Cronus through a table on the balcony before everyone makes their way back to the ring. Number one then hits a arm wrench hook kick on John but then he notices Richard holding a frying pan over the corpse of Francine so number one goes after Stevie to knock him down Cronus has climbed his way onto the turnbuckle but number one meets him up there for a super Frankensteiner makes the cover but Richards breaks it up with that frying pan and makes the cover on number one for a near fall John with a body slam and a leaping leg drop but number one fires up to whip Cronus into Stevie in the corner. 
The Eliminators then double-team number one to gain control before they hit stereo power bombs on the Pitbulls. Turning their attention to Francine, they look to attempt a total elimination, but number one saves her from their clutches. Number two delivers a double clothesline to the Eliminators, setting up a super bomb on both Eliminators before turning their focus to Richards, hitting a super bomb net breaker combo. The Eliminators brawling with the pit bulls, so Francine just crawls over and makes the cover on Stevie for the pin and the win. And cute finish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to look on the bright side, guys. Post-match, the Eliminators go after Francine again. But number two makes the save this time, only for him to receive total elimination. Totally eliminated. They grab Francine again, but this time number one makes a save. So he gets totally totally eliminated as well. Totally, total elimination. Francine is all alone. Oh no, what could happen? But she slaps Saturn, so he just clotheslines her, followed by total elimination. Before leaving to the back. Damn, maybe I should have called myself Total Elimination. <laughs> it's all, there's always there's always <laughs> next week, brother. Oh my god. Sorry. Uh, I think the biggest pop I got from this match was I saw a guy in the crowd with a crowbar shirt on, and I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like a, you know, a sl- like a sludge metal band. Oh, it's not that's even- right, because yeah, crowbar wasn't crowbar yet. And wrestling. Yeah, Devin Storm hadn't shown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. that's right. It's I, just a, it's just a sleazy. I, I remember hearing on uh, Super Brawl that Devin Storm yeah, debuts Devin Storm. next week or yeah. something like that. I was like, "Oh, Crowbar is in WCW." I was like, what? <laughs> we go to our eighth match: Sabu versus Two Cold Scorpio for the ECW World Television Championship. And the homicidal one goes right after Too Cold, only to catch a boot and a knee straight to the face. But Sabu comes back with a spinning heel kick and grabbing a chair to use across the back of Scorpio before it's time for Air Sabu and a clothesline that sends Too Cold out to the floor. The homicidal one hits a drop kick before tossing Scorpio into the crowd followed by using a chair to leap over the ropes <laughs> with a somersault plancha out onto two gold. Into the first row, ECW. Back in the ring, Sabu with a body slam and a slingshot leg drop. Tries for a powerbomb, but Scorpio reverses to hit one of his own. Looks nasty. Two cold with a body slam and a top rope leg drop before setting a chair up in the ring to faceplant the homicidal one into the two men are trading strikes when Scorpio goes for another faceplant, only for Sabu to counter to drop Too Cold onto a chair with a faceplant, followed by leaping off the chair with a clothesline that sends them both tumbling to the floor. The homicidal one continues by leaping off the apron with a somersault senton before using a chair over the head of Scorpio. Back in the ring, Sabu hits a springboard leg lariat for a two count. But Too Cold catches the homicidal one with a crescent kick, then using a chair-assisted clothesline, followed by an avalanche splash. This is a big match, Sabu. Big match, Too Cold. 
Two cold leaps up and over a charging Sabu after a reversed whip. Goes for a Yaranagi, only for the homicidal one to punch Scorpio away and have his whip attempt reversed for Sabu to try to leap up and over. But he is caught, which Sabu proceeds to counter into a victory roll for an airfall. The homicidal one begins to wear down too cold with a chin lock, but Scorpio escapes with a kick to the head, only for Sabu to come right back to apply a camel clutch, which too cold escapes by hitting an electric chair drop. The homicidal one goes right back to a hold, but Scorpio escapes and punts Sabu's balls to send him out to the floor, where too cold slams his head into the timekeeper's table before dragging him up to the apron to bring the homicidal one in the hard way for a two count. Scorpio locks on a modified surfboard before transitioning into a crucifix pin for a near fall. Sabu recovers with kicks and a slingshot leg drop from the apron for a two count, but two colds back up with a body slam and a moonsault for a near fall. Homicidal one throws a chair into the face of Scorpio, before nailing an Arabian face buster for a two count. Sabu lays the chair on Too Cold before hitting a springboard senton onto him, which ends up hurting the homicidal one's thigh in the process. Scorpio's back to his feet to use the chair, laying it across the face of Sabu, but decides against it and delivers a pancake and a pump splash for a near fall. Too Cold then yanks the homicidal one's leg against the ropes to continue to work that thigh area, landing a pair of pump kicks before hitting a body slam and headed up top for a twisting splash, only for Sabu to move to avoid. I'm used to sloppiness with these two, and they're keeping it together nicely in this one. I, I mean, they had their little moments, but yeah, nothing that made me cringe and think that somebody was about to break a neck or <laughs> land ass first on somebody's face or they they are doing everything under the sun. Yeah, they're 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 building up for all the shit that we've had to sit through for that first hour. So, thank you guys. Keep it <laughs> Some, up. Yeah, they're making up for all the things that weren't done earlier. The homicidal one starts to climb the ropes, only for Scorpio to meet him there to nail a sunset flip powerbomb for a two count. Sabu responds with a basement dropkick, only for Too Cold to basically no-sell, and climb to the top, where the homicidal one meets him to deliver a super victory roll for a near fall. Sabu avoids a dropkick, then backbody drops Scorpio out to the floor, following out with a tope suicida that the ref has to avoid. Back in the ring, the homicidal one hits a turnbuckle smash and a clothesline for a two-count before locking on a Fujiwara armbar. But Too Cold escapes to drop a knee across the face of Sabu. Scorpio then looks to dump the homicidal one out to the floor, only for Sabu to counter with an arm drag to bring Too Cold with him, followed by leaping off the ropes with a springboard ACI moonsault, where the homicidal one lands knee first against the guardrail. I know, Too Cold like, tries to save him. That's like, it's a little too late, buddy. Sabu then sets up a table in the crowd area, setting Scorpio on it before jumping over the ropes with an air Sabu through the table. 
but too cold has moved. Too cold, a little too fast. Is that the most brutal table break we've seen so far in ECW? That thing shatters. <laughs> like It shatters like dropping like a sheet of ice on concrete. Too cold doesn't let him rest, using chairs across the homicidal one's back for dragging him back into the ring for a near fall. Scorpio then telegraphs a back body drop, only for Sabu to float over, where he gets booted in the gut and Too Cold goes for a powerbomb, which is countered into a hurricanrana for a two count. The homicidal one hits a springboard moonsault for a near fall, before trying for a top rope moonsault, only for Scorpio to move. Too Cold looks to take advantage with a powerbomb and heads up top to drop the bomb for the pin, and the no. no Sabu kicks out. Scorpio takes the homicidal one down with a leg sweep Uranagi and heads up top again for a flying leg drop for a near fall. Too cold, goes up top again, only for Sabu to throw a chair at him, <laughs> climbing up as well to deliver a super Frankensteiner for the pin, and no, Scorpio kicks out. Both men go for clotheslines for a double KO as we hit three minutes remaining, where Too Cold is up first and comes off the top with the 450 splash, but he doesn't make a cover, grabbing a chair instead with one minute remaining. Scorpio then comes off the top with a chair-assisted dive, but the homicidal one has moved out of the way, proceeds to place the chair on the face of Too Cold, before hitting a springboard leg drop. 30 seconds to go, and then Sabu continues with a somersault senton onto the chair, which is still on Scorpio's face, only for both men to be hurt. The homicidal one finally crawls over to make a cover for a near fall, as the bell rings for a time limit draw. Five more minutes. I mean, that's the chance. Best and only good match so far. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, they did everything under the sun. Uh, they both both end up looking strong. Sabu kicked out of everything. Scorpio did the same. Yep. Yeah, his uh, little excursion to WCW brought him back, and I guess made him appreciate where he was because he's he's been doing nicely since he's returned from. There, I guess he went to Japan for a while too. Whatever it took to get away this from Taz is kind of the only place for Sabu. Yeah, because no one's gonna put up with his wild bullshit. Well, many have tried, and I don't think and, any of them uh, have succeeded. All, all have failed. So we go to our ninth match: Cactus Jack versus the franchise Shane Douglas, and. I think this is the first time that we have seen Brian Hildebrand as the referee. We'll know him better as Mark Curtis when he's in WCW. Okay. But he's basically, he always wears suspenders. That's how you'll kind of yeah. recognize and know who, who he is. But I know he has a he, he has some fun moments during WCW and, and everything. So Yeah, I uh, recognized the name when they said it, but I was like, I don't know. How I know this guy's name? Yeah, kind of the um, same. Probably from just listening to other wrestling podcasts yeah. or whatever. But I'm like, oh, this is a name that I should remember. I mean, he has he has passed away, and they actually have a. Um, I think Shane Douglas actually 
does a memorial show for him, basically uh-huh. like every year, which is kind of cool. So. Yeah, for sure. So the franchise immediately goes after Jack, beating down the sharp-dressed man, using his tie for a snapmare, and just ripping the suit off of Cactus Jack. Shane with a clothesline and kicks to send Jack rolling out to the floor to regroup, but Douglas stalks after him, only to get met by Cactus Jack using a crutch and running the franchise into a guardrail. Shane then grabs the crutch and goes low on Jack before coming off the top turnbuckle with a double axe handle. More crutch shots before heading back into the ring where Douglas lays it in with right hands when he grabs the mic to tell some fans... Class dismissed. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Dean. The franchise keeps up the attack with a leg drag, pulling Cactus Jack nuts first into the ropes, but Jack looks to retaliate with a vertical suplex, only for Shane to reverse, sending Cactus Jack into the front row. Shane then comes off the top turnbuckle again, this time with the crossbody out into the crowd. Ooh before bringing the fight into the ring, where Douglas wraps a chair around Jack's ankle. Oh, that one shocked me there with Shane uh, diving out into the crowd like that. Yeah. I also really liked the leg drag uh, into the bottom rope like in that shot. More leg drags. I like a leg drag. The franchise then hits a pump splash onto the ankle, but he then ends up charging into a back elbow and a big boot in the corner. Cactus Jack begins to fire back with chair shots, catapulting Shane throat first into the bottom rope before hitting elbows across the throat as well, followed by focusing on the leg, ramming it against the apron and the guardrail. Back in the ring, Jack hits some forearms that sends Douglas stumbling out to the floor, so Cactus Jack lays the timekeeper's table over the franchise before hitting an elbow drop onto the table. (laughs) I mean... Cactus Jack goes through tables, and it's always of his own accord. (laughs) Jack then drags Shane back into the ring to drop Toll Hole Douglas into a chair for a two count, followed by nailing a pile driver for a near fall. Cactus Jack is just laying it in with right hands when the ref gets in between them to separate them. But while he's doing that, the ref also hands the franchise some handcuffs. What the hell? And Jack goes back on the attack, but Shane nails him with a handcuffed filled fist before locking his hands behind his back. Douglas would then hit numerous chair shots over the head of Cactus Jack. Does this remind you you guys of a match we'll see later? Mm Mm-hmm. Grabs the mic and tells Jack to quit, only for Cactus Jack to call out to Vince McMahon (laughs) and Mikey Whipwreck for help. (laughs) The franchise continues with more chair shots before putting Jack in a figure four when Whipwreck would arrive, only for him to clobber Cactus Jack with a chair, Fuck. knocking him out so that his shoulders were down for the pin and, and the win. win. That was a, I mean, there was a lot of chair shots in that ending there, but Mikey's Oof. chair shot was... Nasty. It looked yeah, like he meant it. It was extreme. I guess we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> there was um, a fun moment where Cactus Jack uh, just on he's on the when they're brawling around the ring as as they want to do. But he has a 
a free second, so he decides to just spit in the air and catch it yes. in his mouth. And yeah. I was like, our yeah, Corey's back. <laughs> that's one of those that stuck out of my head because not only did he do that, but, you know, didn't so much catch it, but then he just had like this <laughs> spit line across his goatee area. Mm, pretty gross. <clears throat> pretty yeah. gross, pretty great. Uh, also, the sign that said uh, Shane Douglas isn't click material. <laughs> Forgive me, Uncle Eric, on the back of this t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this match was a lot of fun, even though it was brutal at times, and I couldn't tell for sure if Cactus Jack actually got knocked out at the end there, or if he was just playing dead nicely, because the, the chair hit from Mikey <laughs> was yeah. very, very intense, and then with the figure four being locked on the way it was, he didn't budge whatsoever, so it made me wonder even more if he was out. He was training. He was, he'd been on the phone with The Undertaker. It's like, how do you stay so still? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we then go to our 10th match. Raven with Kimono Wanalea, Stevie Richards, and the Blue Meanie. Versus the Sandman with Missy Hyatt. The Walkin' Riot. Yeah. For the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The champion came out first. Foreshadowing. Now the Raven's Nest is waiting in the ring for Sandman to show up. When they all finally see him in the balcony over the front door of the building. Yeah, it's kind of like a production area. So they have to wait even longer for him to make his way to the ring. And Stevie is like taunting the Sandman. So once he's in the ring... Sandman spits beer at Richards and chases him from the ring. I also like that there's Sandman lights a cigarette for Missy Hyatt, which is kind of uh, a, a dig to woman because like she always lit his cigarette. I thought that was a nice touch. Nine minutes and 20 seconds after Raven first appeared on screen, he attacks during the introductions. Damn. Tossing Sandman to the floor, following out with a tope con hio. Raven then uses a chair for sending the Sandman into a guardrail, only for Sandman to return the favor. Back in the ring, Sandman nails a brainbuster, a slingshot somersault senton, and an elbow drop before doing some choking that forces Raven to escape to the floor, only for Sandman to leap over the ropes with a plancha. There's a moment where Joey says that WCW were the, or maybe it was a sign. But it said, somebody said, where the WCW where the big suits harass women. And I'm like, what the fuck does ECW do? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not making excuses for anybody, but. They don't harass them. They just I guess it's a, I totally guess, eliminate them. Yeah, they totally, I mean, you know, they, uh, I assume that. They put them they, in the they ring they so they can argue all these fucking Valentine's. Upsetting <laughs> angles in the first place, but. I was curious what there was like if if there was a WCW harassment suit or something. Missy Hyatt. Oh. Yeah. From just somebody or was it? When her boob popped out, oh. people put the picture up at the. I forgot WCW about that. Office. That's why uh, she left. Yeah. She sued I WCW. Totally forgot about that. Um. The Walking Riot. Samman then starts tossing chairs into the ring before rolling Raven in and offers Raven a seat. But then Meanie jumps on the apron to distract the Sandman. 
allowing Raven to recover and deliver a chair shot and a DDT on the chair, making the cover only for Missy to be on the apron to distract the ref. Raven then gets in Hyatt's face, allowing Sam in to attack from behind, hitting a DDT of his own on a chair, making a cover only for Kimona the, to jump in the ring to break up the pin. Cat bite! That's right, Missy comes in the ring and they go at it until officials are able to come down to break it up, forcing the two ladies to go to the back. Richards uses the opening to deliver a Stevie kick to Sandman, with Raven making the cover for the pin, and no, Sandman kicks out. Sandman then reverses a whip, sending Raven chest first into a corner, where he stumbles out for Sandman to roll him up for a near fall. Sandman picks up Raven for a body slam, but he stumbles a bit, so they knock the ref down. Ref bump. Followed by Sandman heading up top for a leg drop for a two count. Ugh, they, they get uglier every time. It's like, the guy should just to find something else to do. Yeah. Those leg drops, he's, if, I feel like he's going to, yeah. I know it doesn't happen, but it feels like he's going to sid himself at some just point. Like or just like, because it turns to a right angle. Or a wrong angle. <laughs> it's always the wrong <laughs> angle if it's a Sandman leg drop. <laughs> Sandman sets up for a DDT, but Raven tackles him towards the corner, knocking the ref down again. Oh my gosh, another ref bump. So the not-so-fabulous ones take advantage, coming into the ring to attack, only for Sandman to fend them off with his cane. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the Bruise Brothers then make their way down to the ring to receive cane shots as well. What do you know? But they finally power through to deliver a double choke slam with Raven making the cover. And the ref wakes up, crawls his way over to make the count for a near fall. Raven sets up a chair, hitting a sloppy brainbuster and setting Sandman up on the top rope to attempt a superplex. But Sandman blocks, so Raven has to counter by just pulling him off the top rope, sending him into the chair. Oh no! Raven then delivers a DDT for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post match, the fans are not happy while Raven celebrates, throwing trash at him and chanting bullshit. They're chanting bullshit right before the finish. Somebody uh, yells out, "No screw job!" <laughs> Raven leaves, but Blue Meanie stays behind, grabbing Sandman's kendo stick and taking a taste of beer but ends up spitting it out and spilling the beer onto Sandman. <laughs> it's so funny. Which revives him. <sighs> Meanie hits him with the cane, but Sandman just grabs it away and beats Blue Meanie down until Raven and the Bruise Brothers return. Sandman fights them all off before grabbing a mic and calls for his mommy, bringing Missy back out with a cigarette as we fade to black. Yeah, those... Uh... Final cane shots. I mean, any cane shot is typically horrible, but those ones just... It's like he was perfect aim, slapping him across the face, back of the head, ear, uh, out, to the point that the fucking cane... I mean, yeah, they usually are shredded by the end, but I felt... You felt cringy at, with each swing because I was waiting for somebody to just like be stabbed with the remaining <laughs> with pieces. The, yeah, with the shredded bamboo. Yeah. 
So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of Cyber Slam 96? The first half, third half, maybe, was just boring, blah, bullshit. This show would have just been fine with debut of Brian Pillman and then the last three matches. I would have been okay. You nailed it. The yeah. last three matches, and the Pillman thing's uh, cool, but just like the last three matches are good and worth your time, and the rest of the show. Shit. We, we literally are going to say the exact. Like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> word for word, you basically said what I was going to say. Like, other than the fact that I was going to say. After watching that first hour, we were headed towards worst show ever territory. <laughs> the uh, and the, yeah, it's like the last hour because probably two and a half hours. So like the last three yeah. matches, last like forty five minutes is like good, good and fun. You got high flying. You got some hardcore. You got some solid, solid story. You got uh, Cactus Jack on his way out, doing the job with a chair shot to the brain. I think this might be my favorite Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas match. Like, was, individually, like... Not... It was great. Not exactly against each other, but, like, even individually, just against anybody. Yeah, I yeah. think it might be my favorite one. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is up there with Cactus versus Wonderful. I mean, I was oh, yeah. real close to almost even mentioning maybe possibly... A list? A short list. I don't but, know if I'm there, but, the but thing it is, is very good. But the thing is, I think... The Sabu to Colt Scorpio match is probably the better match, but I know I enjoyed Cactus Jack and Shane more. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's like a lot of history there, and it's, I think it's good. Mikey Whipwreck coming in and fucking yeah, just putting the icing on the cake with with all all uh, 140 pounds of him. He might be up to 160 now. Okay, <laughs> he's getting a little weight. Yeah, he has. Been eating like a champion for a few months, so, you know, he's been on a few. Yokozuna diet. Well, I mean, after they, after uh, the public enemy introduced him to uh, beer. So. And probably weed. Probably. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? The Mikey chair shot? Yes. The Sandman Kane shots. Uh, let him piss chant. <laughs> <laughs> See, like the Pillman thing, I was all excited about, but then at the same time, it was like, all right, this may have gone just a little too far, or a little too long, or something. But... I, don't think, I mean, it may have gone on just a little too long, but it was right there for me. Yeah. Like, this is the character that he wants to do, and he's getting to, he's getting to do what he wants to do, so yeah. I'm totally up for it i mean i can definitely see it becoming annoying i mean we've like it took forever for like raven raven to actually (laughs) fucking wrestle and it's like okay i was so tired of raven but when it's like when they finally have a match it's like yeah it helps that it was they kept them apart for so long that it's more interesting because if they didn't then it's like raven's not the world's greatest fucking wrestler Mm -mm. No, but he's not the greatest wrestler, but he cult of personality. He's believable <laughs> as the champion. He is the JT Smith. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a? I think there's a spot in that match where somebody else gets where 
they dump pasta sauce on him, which is funny. Pasta mania? No. <laughs> J- J- JT mania. All the total eliminations at the end of the match. The total elimination or, is a great looking move. I guess man. post-match, uh, technically. Yeah, a great looking move. Oh, is it the best tag team finisher? I mean, it looks be- it looks Full better. elimination? Yeah. looks better than the heart attack. It's just because of the way, like, they take that backdrop so fast, and it looks devastating. It's up there with, because one of my favorite tag finishers for the longest time has been the Power and Glory I mean, Splash. I think we love Power and Glory, the, the finisher. Like, yeah. I think, but they're not, we may be one of few people that love that. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved when FTR called that back in a match. I was just like, yes. Yep. But the total elimination seriously looks I mean, like murder. And there's also, of course, the Horseman Spike Pile Driver, or yeah. Brain yeah. Busters, whatever you want to call I it. I think Power and Glories always stood out to me because it was typically being given to Sean or Marty, and the two of them could sell it like nobody else yeah. could. But yeah. But I mean, Heart Attack, Demolition, Decapitation, Steiner Clothesline, you know, they're, they're all. Fine. They don't look as deadly as Total Elimination. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, Heart Attack essentially is just a clothesline. Demolition is just an elbow, but it's nothing too too special. I'm trying to think of other tag teams. I mean, yeah, like I think it looks more devastating than any of the top, you know, top rope combo moves. Just yep. because it's so it's so crisp and clean, and it just looks like. And I think death. because of the fact that the first time I saw it, it wasn't by the Eliminators; it was by Red Dragon or whatever yeah. they were in NXT. NXT, and the two Call of them Milo, did it yeah. beautifully every time. Sabu and Scorpio. Well, they left it all out there. Thirty minute time limit draw, and the only mess up was really Sabu kind of. Going a, little, going a little bit further than what he should have yeah. with the knee into the guardrail, which, I mean, yeah. that could happen. That's not, I don't consider that a botch. No, no, he's just Sabu. You can't slow him down. Yeah. His, uh, also, like, my God, his, his shin must have fucking hurt so bad. How about most disappointing? Everything else. Yeah, the first few. It sucks that the, like, I like the Eliminators and Pitbulls, so... It sucks when they have a match that's, like, not a match. And it happens a lot. Okay, so that match isn't bad. The Just the logic of it. It's not bad, but it's not necessarily it good annoy, either. It annoys me. Yeah. Because they just kept unlocking the chains. Yeah. Fran, like, I mentioned it while we were covering Francine's literally laying there the entire match. I'm like, Stevie, like, everyone went to the fucking eagle's nest. Yeah. And Francine's still laying in the ring. Yeah. Stevie, run back, cover, finish, match over. Like, I mean, essentially, it's like shit. those yeah. cage matches where you know you've got the cage, so you can't cage. get out of the cage. But then, yeah. yeah, everybody escapes the cage and nothing happens. Yeah. yeah, so I'd rather just see them wrestle a regular tag match, but that's not going to happen. Oh, we forgot the best line. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Mustafa Saeed mean the hand job guys. Oh, yeah. that was. Yeah, they were like, "Well, just go out there and do something." Yeah. Probably that will be Mustafa Saeed's like one shining moment in his entire career. <laughs> um, I mean, we had the 
I mean, we also had the double mint commercial gone hardcore, yeah, line, which, I was is, gonna which say, is funny. That was also but that's funny. also a disappointing moment because it's like I literally was like, I have no clue who's who in this match, and I don't care. Yeah, that's the biggest problem is that you don't care. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you've got nine one one heavy and Judge Dredd making his debut with the Bad Crew. Nine one one heavy, <laughs> as if nine one one wasn't heavy. <laughs> well, I, mean, I couldn't say nine one one light because he wasn't exactly light either. None. Yeah, the that's one thing I don't like with ECW is they often start the show with matches I don't give a fuck about. And that's not a way I like to start a show because I want to be on the edge of my seat. Like, that initial bell ring. It's... And sometimes it's a good thing because they used to have 911 come down and, you know, power slam everybody or choke slam. But this one here, it was like, here's a bunch of people that nobody knows and nobody cares about. And so, yeah, I mean, I, can, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Before I say anything else, I'm gonna, I completely agree with you. Unfortunately, back in the days and it's it's changed as we've as we've gone through time the first match wasn't like the philosophy of it now is put a good match on first to catch everyone's attention they'll stick around back then even in 96 everything was a build to the end and see and I can totally get you that put, but... you put your newest people on that first match just to get them some experience because they're going to go the shortest amount of time Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's why the term curtain jerkers is a thing, because that's what those people were. They were yeah. They were just there to start the show. Yeah. No one gave a shit. And I guess we kind of got a little spoiled there in WCW for a while when we started with our, like, Pillman match. I mean, but the, even the thing is, so, though, those, those, matches, those matches were good, but they were still newer people. Yeah. So... They just happen to go out there and put on a good match. They just happen to be uh, good wrestlers. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's about all I can think of, disappointment-wise. Last three matches. Worth your time. But you can save yourself about an hour 15. How about best performer of the night? That's a tough one. Those those last four guys, or six guys, uh, did a pretty good job. Sandman will never get my performer of the night because uh, his fucking, I believe that all three of us could do a better leg drop. I mean, I think it's Cactus Jack for me. Yep. Because he took that fucking Mikey chair shot. Chair. Yeah, yeah, and you know, his idea is like, hey, it's okay. I won't be mad. Just uh, hit me again, Mike. Just hit me with the, just, yeah, just put some, me. put these, put these uh, handcuffs on me and unprotected, <laughs> hit me with some unprotected chair shots and I'm going to lay down for you before I go uh, become one of uh, become basically everybody's uh, favorite human in wrestling how about most surprising for me it's that this show was able to turn it around in my head yeah because I literally I literally was like hour into this show after the first six I was like Pillman the Pillman promo was the only thing Going for this show in the first. I legitimately at the one hour mark, I wrote in my notes one hour and and I'm fucking done. And then it turned around to the point where we're like the last three matches are good, and you should watch them if you like ECW or you like or a fan of any of the people we named in those matches. I'm trying to think. I mean, I knew Pillman was gonna show up. I didn't expect it to be that quickly after WCW. But then I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that either because I kind of knew the story of how he 
played them. Spiros Greco. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say he had a good look, but that match stunk butt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the Bruce brothers showed up, but once again, it's like, who who cares? Who cares? Like, I, I don't need any more. Most surprising that. We got, big, we got a couple of big tag teams. We have had big tag teams replace our big tag teams over time in these years of ECW. Right now, it's the Eliminators and the Pitbulls. We don't need the Bruce brothers. No. We don't need the head. I mean, I guess they need other people. Otherwise, we run into that gangsters and public enemy situation where they're fighting each other every show, every week. But get us some better competition for them people. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything that was really like super surprising for me. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot. It's not surprising that Cactus Jack laid down on his way out. Yeah. Was this his last ECW? It was not. Oh, okay. it's not. Okay. It, it felt it felt like it with the finish. Yeah. But um, with, you know, I'm always ready to see him. He's got to get his revenge against Mikey Whipwreck. Well, so I don't know if he was going to get to do that or not, since he's already had a a big W promo. He didn't show up until the Raw after WrestleMania, so okay. he's still got a couple months. Okay. Cool. That'll be fun because uh, Cactus Jack can do a lot with. Uh, that with a little with that uh headshot that he took making their way to the ring it's trivia time Ooh, folk. this week the category is pay per feud we're back and it's time to play the feud pay per feud okay i will list the matches you give me the name and year of the show. Points are based on when you answer. So five points if you get it with the first match. Decreasing one point for each match that is given. Are we ready? You are building up to the main event? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Shanghai Pierce with Tex Salinger versus Ice Train. For five points. Shanghai Pierce with Tex versus Ice Train. I'm trying to remember Ice Train. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we can probably yeah. guess so. Next I match? do not know yeah, the show. Yeah, come yeah. on, brother. The Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags with Missy Hyatt. Okay. Versus the Horsemen of Arn Anderson and Paul Roma for the WCW World. Tag Team Championships. And remind me, is this just 93-94? Yes. Okay. So, I'll say... Go ahead, buddy. Clash of Champions 1994. I don't know the actual... I mean, if you give me a Clash of Champions, you got to give me a number. <laughs> yeah, those. I was going to say, they're numbers. Clash of Champions 26... 1994. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> nice wild shot. Jack, another match? Yeah, give me another match. Do it. For three points, Yoshi Kwan with Harley Race versus Cactus Jack in a bounty match. I'm just gonna. Also, I'm also Yoshi just gonna Kwan. throw the dart for a. I mean, you're the only one left, so you yeah, can always take another match. It's fine. I'm gonna go Havoc '93. Very close, but incorrect. Ah, oh, is it Havoc '94? It is Fall Brawl. Oh, that right. that kind of close. Different kind of close. The well, other couple matches were Ravishing Rick Rude versus 
the Nature Boy Ric Flair with Fifi for the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. Better times. And the main event was Harlem Heat of Kane and Cole, Sid Vicious, and Big Van Vader with Colonel Robert Parker and Harley Race versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Ah, uh, I forgot Dave. The Shockmaster and Sting with Road Warrior Animal mm. in a War, War Games. Games match. The only reason I did the Havoc was because uh, when you said Quan and Cactus, you put a gimmick in there. And I was like, oh, well, we'll just go with a Havoc because it was like a bounty match or something like that. Yeah, there was a bounty on Jack's head. Yeah. That was a, that was I was trying to remember when he said Yoshi Kwan. Like, we only saw him like once or twice, maybe, so I couldn't remember what the hell show it was. Yeah, I wouldn't have got this either way because. Guys might have been able to get it on the main event. Yeah, I mean, once you said the main event, then I remembered the War Games at the Fall Brawl promo. Yep. But, yeah. Oh, well. So we've now had 10 trivia questions so far this season. So I was going to give you a little score update. Well, we got. Shane, you have 20 points. 20. Michael, you have 21. Oh, my gosh. That's nice and close. That's fun. That's so much better than... uh... Than last time. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is about the time last time where I started pulling ahead, so... Hey, man. Next week, In Your House 6. Oh, please be better than 4. Hey, at least they're short-ish. In 3... I don't remember. Did we watch five? We probably watched we five. We watched all of in your houses. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. These are all pay-per-view. Yep. Yeah. Music for this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. Five, five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie and Raven won our main event. So we play Come Out and Play by The Offspring. Get a better song, Raven. I'm never going to get over it. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Or wherever you find your podcast at, please try not to keep it separated. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, drink ideas, where are we going to be in next? Louisville, Kentucky. Home of one Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So maybe I'll have to make some little. Uh, he likes corn em- fritters. He likes Cornettes. He likes Emo's pizza. Uh, he likes Wendy's. <laughs> He likes uh, Jim Cornette. Well, he's not sausage no, links. No, Jim Cornette is on the show. I'm just kidding. So- okay. uh, sausage links with uh, cheddar and barbecue sauce. Oh, I wonder if I can like shoot him a message on Twitter and he's like, "Hey, Jim, give me some ideas." I'm sure. We're going Turn to Louisville. Tell me what you like. Uh, I named a few things that he likes. Emo's Pizza. He loves Emo's Pizza, which is a little pizza place. Did but because they make, it? they have their own like pri- proprietary cheese blend. But I think you can actually buy their frozen pizza. Yeah, I was like, I wonder I if they'll know. do like I a, a mail order or something. I think they do one. I haven't bought one off the But I think it's... Okay. How's your oven? Is it in working condition? I yeah, no, yeah, my oven, my oven works. There was... It was not working for, it, for <laughs> a time. But it was only like a week. We got it fixed. But you can do any of that stuff to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide into those DMs. Later.
separated. Hey!